Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today, Dennis Stevens is here and we're going to be doing some whiteboarding. Dennis is going to be talking us through a topic that I don't totally understand yet. So I'm kind of excited to learn about this. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, value density, right? Yes. And why, and why people should care about it. And why people should care about it. Okay. About so it. before we do that, Dennis, in the off chance, there's like one person that doesn't know who you are. Who are you? Yeah, so, I'm, so I'm Dennis Stevens. Um, I'm co-founder of Leading Agile um, uh, and the chief methodologist of Leading Agile. So what I do is I help us figure out the problems we're going to solve and help us apply the things that we've learned to our clients. Cool. Perfect and concise. Thank you. All right. So value density. What is value density? When I was um, in logistics in the Marine Corps, one of the things that you had to figure out was you had a limited amount of space that you could put stuff into that you were going to ship somewhere. Okay. It's important to try to anticipate because there were, there were infinite things that you could put in that space. Mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of important to try to guess what would be most useful at the other end. Okay. When they unpacked it. So if they needed the right amount of food or they needed more bullets or they needed more bandages or they needed... Um, stuff for cold weather or stuff for hot weather. It was important to have some idea of what was at the other end when you shipped it. Yeah. Um, and because there's a limited capacity uh, in our delivery teams, I thought this was a really clear metaphor for how do we sort of figure out how much of what we're putting through the limited capacity of our delivery organization Yeah. and connect it to the most valuable things. Can I can I just draw a, another parallel in case yeah. the military thing didn't work for folks? All the articles about supply chain now, like you're reading it's about a, they can't get food to the supermarkets, all the boats waiting out to unload in California. Um, it's the same thing. Yep, that's exactly right. It, it okay. is a logistics term. Um, when when Walmart is packing a truck, they're going to put the stuff that's going to make the most money for their network mm -hmm. onto that truck to get it to a location. And they have a great deal of science and brilliant intelligence around it. Okay. Right? Yep. So they know how to maximize the dollars into the store based on what they're shipping to their customer, their supply chain. Okay. So we think about our system of delivery as a supply chain mm -hmm. to our customers, and we're trying to make money in the market or win customers in the market. We got to get really, really smart about what we're putting into our system. Is it true that at a company level, like Walmart has all the data to know exactly yep. what to put on the shelves and not just for revenue, but also for like people's health and well-being and stuff like that. Right. Um but if you're working on a company that's building a new product, you don't necessarily have all that data to figure that out yet, right? So what I think is really interesting, um, no, they don't. we don't have the data. And most organizations don't have the feedback mechanisms in place yeah. to validate whether they actually understand value. There's okay. also a really important thing, which is there's two kind of two games we're playing all the time. Um, I can only ship as much stuff as I have capacity available to work on valuable things. Mm -hmm. So one of the games that we want to play is get more, just more throughput through our organization. And I can mm -hmm. talk a little about that. Um, then I want to make sure I'm spending more of that capacity on things that are valuable to achieving my strategy. Okay. So I'm not, it's not bug fixes. It's not, it's not right. low value stuff. It's not, I'm spending a lot of my capacity to just keep my lights on or fixing bugs or up. Right, I want to get clear about that. So we're not just going to ship beer and cigarettes, but we're also going to ship vegetables. Yeah, and okay. there's an outside in versus out. There's outside in versus inside out sort of point of view. This 
which a lot of organizations were going to have teams set up with product management aligned with them, whose job is to add new features mm-hmm. to that team. And sometimes those new features aren't the most important features in the overall scheme of things and that best dollar spent because, because right. I've got, I've, I've, I've got to add, I've got to keep my team busy. I got to keep adding features and ship them out the door. So there's a, there's sort of a, a curve that we'll talk about sometimes. And I, I know people have probably seen Alistair's conversation about trim the tail. Okay. There's a curve that says at some point, adding more features to this product might not be the next best spend of dollars. Yeah. So it's actually, I'm going to draw, I'm going to talk about how we invest in capacity in a team and what the appropriate shape of the different spends are. But first okay. I'm going to get a good throughput. Okay. Then I want to make sure that I'm connecting my throughput to value. And then I want to make sure that I actually, I want to be able to verify that I actually know what value is. Okay. So I can verify it. So my business outcomes or benefits, business benefit realization becomes an important part of the system. And what we find is very few organizations have mastered any of those three steps. Can I check with you on this one? I want to make sure, because I'm tying it to stuff in my head and I want to make sure this is right. So I could do value stream mapping to understand how things are flowing through. Then I have to understand how I define what value actually means. And then I get to the problem of how do I make sure I'm pumping as much value into the system as possible? Yes. Okay. And and I'm assuming that there's going to have to be a certain amount of waste in the system, a certain amount of non-value stuff just to keep it flowing. And because if, if all we did was ship cauliflower, nobody would be happy with us. One of the things that I think is really important that gets misinterpreted mm-hmm. is none of the stuff that we do is waste. It's just more or less valuable because people, people okay. get up in on eliminating like, waste. Yeah. Eliminating waste. So they don't want to spend the time um, reducing uh, technical debt. Right. Make my throughput lower. Okay. And so, and we need a certain amount of body fat to stay alive. We need a certain amount of body fat to stay alive. Okay. So when I look at like these three different factors and how things need to be set up, um, throughput is like, how many features can I deliver in a month? For example, might be a good measure of throughput. Okay. Um, What we find is in organizations that are Mm project-based, have a ton of dependencies that aren't good at testing frequently. They may get a lot of work through individual delivery teams, but their throughput, what they're actually putting in place to be consumed by an end user, whether it's an internal, external end user, is not as high as it could be because integration costs are high. There's a ton of orchestration. We're working on too many things at once. So there's things around having stable teams, balance capacity and demand, and making workflow that we've seen over time dramatically improve throughput. So we get more stuff out the door. So I want... I want us first to be able to measure how much stuff and there's work to do to improve the capacity of my containers that I'm shipping out with the same resource. I can have more capacity. Okay. Now are you, when you say, when you're talking about throughput and talking about how much you can get through, I just want to clarify one thing. There's a lot of people that I think would have heard that and would have thought you were just talking about velocity, but I'm assuming that you're talking about, because you just mentioned it, the different stages that things are going through. So it's understanding the different steps and how things are getting held up or moving through each step, right? Yeah, I think I think that we see a lot of is I have very high velocity. My teams, my delivery teams yeah. are really good at writing code and moving them through. 
but we can't integrate test them. We can't get them yeah. to the customer. It's those QA people that are slow, not us. People that are slow, not us, but we're not sequencing the work to get it through yeah. to a potentially consumable state. Okay. So it isn't velocity at the delivery team level. It's throughput at the system of delivery level. Yeah. Okay. That's important because there's actually a really interesting case where increasing the velocity of some teams can often actually reduce the throughput of the system of delivery. And I end up with giant piles of unfinished work laying around because the other pieces that need to arrive to test and validate that work aren't arriving. So I can't actually integrate test it and ship clean. So we're not, we're not in sync. So it's really interesting. In a perfect world, every team can independently velocity and throughput would be aligned. I just right. something gets out the door because I totally have control over every aspect of my network, my system, my validation, my testing, everything. Okay. Very few of the organizations that we walk into can any delivery team, does velocity actually equal throughput? Because, okay. because there's dependencies. There's dependencies. And if you want an example, the hundred ships, I just looked it up while you were talking. There's a, two days ago, there were a hundred ships waiting to unload in California. Yep. More ships arriving isn't better. Right. Right. Okay. So that's throughput. <clears throat> and so we're looking there at measuring features that make it through our Kanban states mm-hmm. to the end and making changes to the design of the system of delivery and the way that we manage and measure flow through that team mm-hmm. to increase throughput. There's an interesting thing that happens, and we see this a lot in organizations as well, which is this concept of how much of the work a team is doing is actually related to closing a gap that a customer has that makes them more desirable of paying for our product or using our product. There's also things we have to do, just keep the lights on. Yeah. We have the data center running, we have to apply patches, we have to do security. And then there's this thing around maybe consolidation, modernization, standardization, and technical debt reduction. Okay. Things that we need to do because software ages, or I bought six of these and I only need one, or or there's a brand new interface that my customers need and I have to update to it, or I'm doing 13 different ways I need to do it once, or I've made a lot of trade-offs in the past. This blend of my capacity of my system of delivery how much of it is being spent on value versus keeping the lights on versus consolidation, modernization, standardization, and technical debt reduction. Okay. Um, now, what's interesting is based on the market value of adding new features to a team, having a higher value density may not be what we want. Okay. This is a very mature product. Adding new features to it is not the most important thing. I just want to reduce my spend in this area because we're kind of should be spending our money adding new features to new things to capture more customers. So better. can I can I check in on that one? Yep. So we could add a bunch of new features to the new iPhone, or we could make sure all the features that are there actually work and are easier to use for people so that we have yeah. less calls to the call center and everything else. We could reduce the cost of maintenance of the phone. We could reduce yeah. the cost of, of adding the next thing. A lot of this stuff we do over here around consolidation modernization, standardization, technical debt reduction. Yeah. It's about driving down this total cost. Yeah. Which is valuable too. Just in a not as shiny, maybe. That's right. Okay. And in most organizations that keep the lights on in consolidation, modernization, standardization, and technical debt reduction, 
is not the responsibility of the same people that are trying to put value through the system. And so all they, those people are competing for the same humans to do work. The same resource. That's right. Humans. We're not, we're not making good business decisions about what this blend should be. Yeah. Okay. So how so would the, the, how would you even figure out? I mean, that seems like super advanced for teams that are just f- trying to figure out how to get to predictable. Yep. So it's a base. It's not a base camp one thing. It's maybe okay. a, it's maybe, a, it's maybe started to be a base camp two thing, or it's a maybe okay. even a summit two sort of thing. But aspirationally. I need to be able to understand once I have a relatively stable part of my organization, a relatively okay. consistent teaming structure aligned with a value proposition or some set of capabilities, I need my product owner, product management group to be able to understand what is the actual performance gap I need to close. Okay. And, and what's the benefit of closing that? Okay. I want it to be outside in looking at the market and holes in the market or desires of my customers that exist or I could create to feed into this. I don't want it inside out. I have a product and I imagine I could add something new to it. So that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Outside in versus inside out. So not what does some executives gut tell them we need to build next because they're not Steve Jobs, but what is the customer or the market saying, this is a giant empty hole. Why don't you fix it? Right? Right. Okay. And you'd be validating that with some kind of research or or data or whatever. Yeah. And then you articulate it to your organization, probably in the form of OKRs and KPIs. Okay. So now if I can tie the features going through my system to explicit OKRs and KPIs, I can tell you how much of this is value versus how much is keep the lights on versus how much is um, modernization. Yeah. And that sort of work. Is there, I, go go ahead. Ahead. is there another way we could, another term for value? I, I, my concern in looking at it, and it's totally semantic, is that the way it's written, it looks like keep the lights on and the other one are not valuable because the one at the top is value. So, so here's the thing. These can be table stakes. Okay. We never said don't spend money on table stakes. Yeah. Never said don't keep the product healthy. But the word value density has a meaning. I'm going to pack. I'm going to I'm going to pack things in that container I'm shipping over that just keep people alive. A lot of that stuff. Right? But I'm going to pack some stuff that they need in order to accomplish their mission. Okay. And I and I think when we try to get too fancy and go, so you're saying fixing bugs isn't valuable to the client? It's like, it's like I love the voice. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I don't want to artificially blend. Yeah. I just pretend like everything I do is of the same nature. So value has a meaning. Value means my company is going to make more money right. from the customer or have better use of my product because of it. These things at the bottom don't do that. These things at the bottom are just generally I have to run it or I'm going to spend money to make it less expensive to run it. There's benefit. There's business benefit to everything we put through. If there's not, it's a problem. But if we just call, start calling everything valuable, then I end up with a team that has solved all of the performance gaps to their customers and adding new features is not going to be a good investment. And I can't tell 
if I'm still adding features just because it's somebody's job to add features to that product. I, I wish I could draw on this too, because I feel like, I don't know, for some reason, I've got Billy Crystal in my head going, it is better to look good than to feel good. And that's just the top segment. And the other two, if you're not healthy, it doesn't matter how you look. Yeah, that's right. And so what happens is if I have a very mature product in the market, mm-hmm. I want to be, um, I want my actual spend of things other than just running it. I want my value. A pattern could be like this. That could be a very healthy pattern for a very mature product in the market. Yeah. And this stack today, it used to look like this when I started building that product before. And I had a bunch of this spend. Yeah. And a bunch of that stuff, I bet, never even got finished because you got pulled off of it to finish to keep the lights on and the customization stuff. Yeah, or, or maybe it did all get consumed, but adding new things, this concept of there's no more value to the next feature. Yeah. At some point, I don't need all this spend. And now the dollars I invest into here need to be driving that cost down. There's an okay. interesting conversation. There's an interesting conversation to be had when it looks like this. I have limited dollars to spend. And I'm spending all my time um, just dealing with technical debt. Yeah. And the system is expensive to run. I might say what this team needs to do is to invest a lot of dollars here in, in, in consolidation, modernization, put a good test framework around it, burn mm-hmm. down that technical debt. Because what I'm going to give you is for the same spend next year. Is much more on the value side. So that would be like a parallel would be like a, a legacy bank that's grown through acquisition and it's just carried this debt from one state to the next. And now they want to do agile and they can't because they can't even create an environment for it to survive. That's right. And so what that is, I can do a business case mm-hmm. around what it means to go do a product extraction to 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 break this piece of code out so it can move at the speed it needs to to operate at the speed of the market. So it's speed okay. of change high enough and I can get the cost down, but I have to spend some money to do it. But I can do a business case and say, if you spend six months worth of fixing that thing right now, in the next 18 months after that, I can give you five times more value than you were going to get. Right. So that might be a good investment. So that's like, I keep thinking of all these ridiculous analogies. It's like a pitcher getting Tommy John surgery might miss the rest of this season but they might get to add a couple more years under their career. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, so I want to be able to have these classes of conversations. Why are we adding new features to this product? If I just throw everything to value, bug fixes, mm-hmm. modernization, um, upgrades of servers, those things do not have the same targeted business benefit mm-hmm. as the stuff I'm classifying as in value density. Yeah. Value is I'm going to get or retain customers I wouldn't have kept anyway. I'm going to bring more dollars into the company because of it. And every product has some point where adding features is not the most important thing to do. So this means, I'm going to pull back a little bit. This means that the organization has to be able to find value at multiple levels, like with multiple different viewpoints. One at the shiny new stuff, one at the keep the lights on, one at the modernization technical debt side, or maybe each, maybe there's four different ways of defining value there. And then there has to be some overarching way of looking at these things together, looking at company strategy and maximum. And that's where you're getting into the density thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, and what's really cool about this is let's talk about 
what is strategy? Strategy is not aspiration or vision. A lot of people mistake strategy for aspiration or vision, the company we'd like to be. Strategy right. is given limited capacity, yeah. my overall organization, what are the things I'm going to decide to do that moves me towards my aspiration or vision? And right? that and that is that thin slice at the top, even if it's really thin, like, okay, I can only do three things. What are the three most important things? Yeah. Okay. So when I look at when I look at this conversation around um, around value versus keep the lights on versus uh, modernization and technical debt reduction sorts of things, I think a huge problem we have in our organizations is there's different people responsible typically for all three of those things, but they're competing for the same resource. So we're not making uh, op- yeah. making optimized decisions. So this concept of forming a relatively stable teaming structure making them responsible for all three of these yeah. will drive different decisions about, and which will actually help us get better business outcomes while improving our throughput, while maintaining and elevating our product health appropriately. I'm just thinking it's not just that they're competing for the same humans to do the work. I mean, when you say resources, you're also talking about funding. So I'm like, I need a million dollars for technical debt. And somebody else is like, I need a million dollars for time travel. Time travel is going to win because it's sexier than technical debt. But if you don't deal with the technical debt, time travel is not going to help you. Yeah, you have to do it on purpose. I have to understand. So this view that we do around capabilities in the organization is this capability is going to break if you change it. And you can't change your strategy if you don't. Okay. Okay. You can't can't execute your strategy if you don't change it. Yeah. Okay. So that, that there's an investment there to make that be able to move at the speed it needs to, to achieve my strategy. Like I can okay. get really clear about the patterns of investment that exist, but if I just call everything the team works on valuable so they feel good, mm-hmm. then I have that conversation. And and if I if I if I if I get management to believe that modernization is not an important thing to them because I'm not explaining to them how it's going to get them more value in the future, right. then they're not going to want to invest in it. Yeah. So, so I think blending this all together is not the right thing to do, even though they're uncomfortable conversations. I think being able to have very, very clear conversations and then have a, a consolidated point of decisioning around would be important. Because what happens in reality? I'm the product manager. I need all this valuable stuff. My IT team finally gets fed up with it and secretly pulls a third of the capacity out to go do modernization and breaks everything for a year. Yeah. Who's making, strat- who's making strategic decisions? Well, uh, the organization. Well, the developer is the developer is deciding what we're going to spend our spare capacity, our, our, our available capacity on. They're, or they're not, not actually letting the business person make the decision. Or the person who's getting all the resources, meaning money and people and whatever else, is the person who's got the best sales pitch in the funding meeting. Yeah, the person who has the most the most history, the most examples. So we want to have ways to determine the pattern that ought to exist for the different parts of the organization. We okay. want to have the ability to prioritize value propositions and what needs to move to the next base camp, the next ability to adapt at the speed of change. Okay. I have the conversations at that level. I, and I, and those are actually technology and architecture conversations as much as they're business conversations. What happens when we don't tie those two things together at the top? Yeah. A couple of them is we're prioritizing the wrong things. I have three clients right now where their new features we have to add conversations are not connected to their fixing our broken architecture conversations, and they're actually making things move faster, they're getting better at, don't help them move, right. their important value propositions. 
Okay. So we've talked about what this stuff, I, I feel like we've, we've got through a decent explanation of what it is and how to think about it. Yep. The thing that we haven't touched on yet, and I don't even know if we can, I feel like we're still sort of saying, ask the team when it comes to how do you do the math? I mean, it doesn't seem like you could define a specific formula and say this is, I mean, you might say a ratio of those three things, but like, how does a company figure out how to look at these together? Because it's like you're saying, I'm going to compare, you know, chocolate and horses and comic books and decide how much I need of each. At the end of the day, I can translate all three of these things. into dollars. Ah, okay. This is how much my team's time was spent building features connected yeah. to OKR. Okay. How much the team's time was spent fixing bugs and patching things yeah. or modernizing modernizing things, all that sort of stuff, and how much of the total dollar spend which often could be licensing, environments, other sure. things like that is spent on keeping the lights on. But don't you have to look at the return on that too? Well, I'm not prioritizing. I mean, that is a great question. But this conversation of, um, I'm not having this in a vacuum. I'm having this conversation first around value propositions and which capabilities have to be closed to to close those value propositions. I have to be doing the conversation Okay. You have that first at like a meta level and then you go down. Yeah. If I'm not starting with a business conversation and then how does this spend? Yeah. Optimize my ability to achieve my strategy. We can't get there. So what happens in most organizations is this concept of value proposition, OKR, capability is disconnected. Mm-hmm. So I want okay. to go, these are my most important value propositions. I'm willing to spend this much money here because I believe I'm going to get this return from the customer, my business benefit realization, and the money can be in reduced cost, improved customer satisfaction, um, improved revenue in the door, speed of response to market mm-hmm. in order to stay competitive, right? My OKR tells me the things I have to measure, my objectives, and key results, right? Things have to actually accomplish how my how my business has to be able to perform to achieve that value proposition. Okay. My capability and KPIs and capability gap tells me how my organization has to be different in order to accomplish those things to achieve that value proposition. It's a cascade of concerns. And also a cascade of assumptions that have to be validated, right? That's exactly right. Okay. Yep. So it's so it's markets to customers to problems to solutions to designs to implementations. Okay. Every one of these is an assumption and every one of those needs to be validated on the way up. Okay. So when I'm in a high highly uncertain market right and i'm getting smaller batches through i need to be validating these other there's really an interesting thing we were talking about yesterday whereas 
Um, there might be a loop around problem solution design to validate a ton of assumptions there. It doesn't have to be an end-to-end thing. Right. I, that's an inexpensive thing. What I don't want to do is make a strategic call all the way up here. Yeah. And, Matt, and, and then work on it and build the whole thing and deliver it in three years to find out and learn the things I could have learned. So that problem solution design, that's like where design thinking might be valuable, right? Yeah, I actually think it's fascinating. I actually think that this is almost a design thinking conversation. There's assumption, okay. right? This yeah. is almost a design thinking conversation from customer to problem. All the way up. Right? This okay. is a design thinking conversation, right? Because that kind of that kind of what are the problems? What are the potential solutions? How do I validate it? What okay. are the problems? What are the solutions? How do I validate validate it? I think this is the work of product management to connect these things. Okay. Can I ask you a much broader question about this stuff? Well, can I do one thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want to make sure. I think this is kind of cool, but I want to make sure that we kind of connect this. Yeah. Back to that. Okay. So when I've when I've decided there's not a lot of money to get out of my organization out of this adding new features, yeah, my target might change and my investment frame should change. That is a business decision. That is not a technology decision. The same person. Say that part. I want you to say that part again to make sure everybody's clear on it. When I've added enough features to this product. Yeah. To maximize my return in the market right now. Okay. And adding new features doesn't improve my ability to achieve my strategy or my market um, goals. Okay. It's time to stop investing value-based dollars into it. Okay. And that is a business decision, not a technology decision. When I am so bloated with technical debt, I can't produce anything. So I need to go shift my spending into consolidation, modernization, standardization, and tech. That is a business decision, right? not a technology decision. And we can build business cases around all of those. Anytime that spending money doesn't get you the return, either through future capacity or future return from the market, right? then then um, it's not a good dollar spent. Okay. And these are these are business discussions. When I look at the when I look at these conversations in the clients that are struggling to get clarity right. in that stack, it's because they talk technology down here and capabilities up here or customer use up here. This stack needs to all be in the language of the business, the cap- the the value proposition to the OKR to the capability. Okay. Technology is a way to close the capability gap. And they need to see that, yeah, they need to see those three layers as one thing, not three completely separate things. Yeah. So this is kind of how I'm thinking about it. This is okay. what we're doing with a couple of clients is trying to put in um, the mechanisms to connect these conversations meaningfully yeah. so they can make their spends in the right place. What's really interesting is the number of groups that we can kind of go do the OKRs and then and then compete at the value proposition level, then go look at projects that have been funded in parts of the organization and half of them don't tie back to one of the gaps we have yeah. to work. They were sourced from um, something that somebody wanted to do because they thought it was a good idea to add it. Right. But not actually a capability gap and a client that we think we need to solve for. Okay. All right. Now can I ask my question? Was this is this useful? No, it's really useful. And it, it sparked a lot of stuff for me. Um I did a, an interview with Troy McGinnis about a couple of weeks ago. And um, in talking through some of the stuff we were talking about, I, I kind of felt like I uncovered like a whole new hallway in the, if, if agile is like a house, there's like a whole wing that I found like 
there's hardly anybody in that hallway. Like there's a bunch of stuff to do there. I feel like, and this is the thing I want to check in with you on this understanding of value and how we look at value is something that is, it's like been maturing in, in the agile space, maybe in other fields, it's more sorted out, but I feel like there's still a lot of exploration and clarification. Like I've, I have, Two years ago, I don't think I would have ever been around anybody that would talk about value density, but now this is a thing as part of the conversation that you're having with clients. Are we maturing in the space and our understanding of value and how to look at it? Yeah, I have. Um, uh, about five years ago, we hired, we started hiring product people mm. because what we spent our first several years doing was focusing on throughput. Yeah. And what became evident was Agile was about throughput. And, and in, in practice, it's about throughput. In, in theory or in very small companies, it was about getting better business outcomes. Okay. But most organizations were so disconnected from it. The big gap that I saw is this connecting of markets and customers and problems yeah. to design implementation. Agile kind of lives in an implementation space. You've seen me talk before about Agile being trapped in execution. Yeah. Trapped to the right side of this equation. It's not really connected up. So we started building out ideas about how epics and features tie to OKRs and capabilities in order to clearly connect the execution work. Okay. So we want to elevate that all up to business stuff. So we've been building a product practice for about five years to start to get there. I think the market is generally recognizing that's the gap. And along with that idea of moving to a product centric way of dealing with work that naturally leads to the conversation about value and getting clarity yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. We've been doing organizational design around capabilities and value propositions from the beginning, right? If your organization, if your systems and structures align with your markets and customers, you're going right. to struggle. Okay. So, so that's been a topic, but the way people talked about it is they wanted more agile. Yeah. Now we're talking about, we want us some product. Do more things. Yeah. We want us some product, but it's actually the same problem, right? Your organization has to be set up. You have to be able to have small feedback loops. If you're in test right. your feedback loops, you got to be able to deeply understand your customers and connect to it. And if you don't have the agile stuff working, it's hard to do that. More organizations are better at the agile stuff in the execution side, but they're yeah. agile trapped in execution. And I, I feel like people, I mean, more often I hear people talk about building, you know, the, the right things as well as just building the things right. But this way of discovering like this mix of the three different layers and exploring different ways of perceiving value across the organization and putting those together and coming up with the right mixture of stuff to try to move through the system. I mean, that is the thing that I, I, I don't know. I just get this feeling that there's like more science to that that's coming and that people are still getting their heads around it. Yeah. So I, I do believe that if we look at our, like I, I could go into some detail on, the investment mix and value. I could talk about this outside in. Yeah. Or did it inside out? But the outside in lens is that capability view. That might be our next conversation. Yeah. Is how do I start understanding my most valuable um, capabilities? Because everybody thinks they can make their area better and is going to propose projects that need to get done. Right. If but it's the whole system together that you have to be looking at. You have to have an outside in way to filter that down. Because even... Like like getting a thousand times better at um, at paying payroll when payroll is working completely suitable 
um, has a good cost structure. Nobody gets mispaid. Our taxes are tight. There, yeah. may, be, there may be a billion, a, a better way to, to do it. But really, the only thing I would invest in in payroll in most cases is not every case, but in most cases, they would be driving the cost of delivering the payroll service to my yeah. customers. As long as, the, as long as the people are satisfied, my taxes are paid. Yeah, it's good enough. Okay, this is great. I appreciate you taking time out for this. I know you're really busy. Um, well, I, hope, I hope you can get some useful stuff out of this. I know you'll you'll clean it up and edit it some, but hopefully there's some, <laughs> some good Actually, I don't think there's anything to clean up and edit, but I am going to try to get a high-res version of this graphic to include. Um, but um, what if people want to reach out to you? Is there a way that they can do that? Yeah, I mean, the best way is to send me an email. Okay. Um, at uh, Dennis at leadingagile.com. Okay. Cool. And I'll include a link to your profile page as well. Um, I appreciate you, you making time for this. And this is a, I don't know, it's a really heavy topic. So thanks for making it easy to understand. Well, thank you. It's always, you're always, you're always good at pulling it apart, David. So <laughs> this is cool. We'll, uh, we'll catch up and do another one of these soon. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Thanks. 